Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. It's Monday, February 22nd, and uh, we're going to spend the next hour together, I hope. I don't know what the hell it's going to be about, but we'll figure it out as we uh, as we go along. Um, does anyone know what a mulberry looks like? I, I, before we get to the heavy stuff, and there is heavy stuff today, I, I, I was reading a, a piece in the uh, local paper, the Post-Gazette, and uh, it, was, it was a piece about how um, a student at Carnegie Mellon who had to have brain surgery um, had to be awake during it to be able to answer uh, doctor's questions. Um, and in the course of, of reading this, I mean, I, in the course of reading it, I came upon um, a sentence which made me laugh out loud. And I, I mean, there's nothing funny about the story, obviously. But here, here's what it said it, in trying to describe why the surgery was necessary. Um, the reporter said uh, this, that she was suffering from a rare condition in which blood vessels get tangled into a mass resembling a mulberry. <laughs> why I think this is funny. I, I mean, if you're trying to tell the reader, uh, give a reader a visual image of, of something, why would you use a fruit that I, I, I don't, I don't know what it, I never, I don't even know that I ever ate one. I, I, I don't, I, when I go to the grocery store, I see strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, uh, lots of, you know, I don't see mulberries. I don't know what a mulberry is. Why would they say, I know it's not a big thing and it's nothing I'm going to rant about, even though I hear my voice getting louder. But <clears throat> this is the kind of thing that strikes me as humorous at uh, 7 a.m. Resembling a mulberry. Okay, well, I'm going to assume a mulberry looks like, I decided it was like a blackberry. That's what I, that's what I think. But I've seen blackberries. I have never seen a mulberry. If I were curious enough to look it up, I would. But I ain't. Uh, okay. There's that. I have just a few little things to get off my uh, chest here. I um, generally read the sports pages. And uh, again, back to our local paper. Um, the Saturday paper is often full of uh, pictures taken during high school uh, sporting events because they happen, I guess, on Friday night. And for the last, I don't know, uh, months, 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 these pictures have all, they didn't make me laugh, although they're absurd. They made me um, annoyed. And it shows these players, this is uh, generally, I think what I'm seeing is uh, basketball. 
so it's pictures of a you know two players in a in, in what you would expect in a basketball picture for the sports page two players grappling one you know maybe soaring in the air the other trying to defend and in almost every case um excuse me they're wearing masks because i guess that's uh, the the mandate from the state is that the only way oh i'm sorry is that the only way you could have um these high school players uh, uh competing is if in fact they were masked but in every picture i'm not kidding you yeah they're wearing masks under their chins uh every once in a while there's a mask over someone's mouth there's there's masks in every every imaginable configuration on on these players faces but none are doing what the mask is intended to do which is covering the nose and 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 mouth because there's a pandemic going on and because i've seen these pictures over and over and over and over again i'm assuming that this is the way if you go to a high school basketball game uh this is the way the players look they're running around with these masks um pulled down under their chins but they're wearing and i guess if the mandate was they had to wear masks they are they're just not wearing them in a way that does anything to protect anybody the wearer or uh, uh, the other players so this just makes me uh this annoys me it annoys me because clearly the uh the high school sports or what is that WPIAL or PAI I don't know what it is it, you know that group western pennsylvania athletic who knows what they they're obviously not policing this at all um the refs aren't uh the coaches aren't nobody is and this is when i don't like government i don't like government when it creates rules and then turns its back refusing to uh police them because that kind of thing absolutely breeds disrespect total disrespect for uh for the law if you know a law is just there for show purposes but it will not be enforced it's like white people smoking pot if you know a law is there and is not going to be enforced well it does make you cynical about the law about enforcement and that's not good i mean if you want a functioning society you want laws that are acknowledged and then enforced and if they aren't enforced then the question should be then why is there this law anyway whatever i got to tell you you got to make a point of looking at these pictures of high school basketball games 
because they're absurd. And I mean, what do all the adults that are there watching this think? And, uh, I don't know. Never mind. No, neither of these things is any big deal. Mulberries or, well, the masks a little bit more. Oh, a lot of you are telling me about mulberries. Thank you. What do we got here? It's a very fragile berry. It grows in the wild. Okay. Barbara says, I have a mulberry tree that was likely planted by a bird. The tree attracts a lot of birds when the mulberries are ripe. Some years there are a lot of mulberries. Last summer, not so many for some reason. Well, thank you both, but neither of you have told me what a mulberry looks like. Here's Ben. Mulberries look a little, oh, thanks, Ben, like blackberries. See, I knew it. I knew they looked like blackberries. I don't know why. They're smaller, not as round, and they're softer. When you walk around during the summer, you might sometimes see a tree with dark spots on the sidewalk where the berries have been stepped on. Oh, yeah. Those are mulberry trees. Well, thank you. I do appreciate all of that. Now, Barbara had said that her mulberry tree was likely planted by a bird, which totally, Barbara, teased me up for this other thing I want to share with you, believe it or not. Um, there's a little thing in the New York Times uh, called Metropolitan Diary. I think it's on Sundays, maybe Saturdays, I don't know, Sundays. And um, people write in just little vignettes of, of life, of things that have happened to them while, you know, riding a bus in New York or walking somewhere or whatever, little encounters. And um, I've always, always enjoyed it. Um, and I just want to read one that, <laughs> that was in, um, I guess, yesterday, uh, written by a woman whose name I'm not even going to try to but she says this, and I love this. I was on my way to meet my mother at an art gallery in Chelsea. As I crossed 10th Avenue and was about to disappear under the high line, something hit my left shoulder with a squish and a thud. I looked at the ground and I saw the eye of a silvery fish staring up at me. I also noticed opalescent scales and a bit of blood on my shoulder God, and back. <clears throat> I looked up <laughs> yes, and saw three seagulls flying overhead, probably taking dinner back uh, to their homes. Um, well, a little less dinner than they thought they were taking. So I, um, the idea of being hit uh, by a fish <laughs> strikes me as one of those things that generally doesn't happen. You know, in this time of pandemic, we're all like calculating risks here and there. If, you know, somebody, let's say, was deadly afraid of being hit 
by a fish. Um, I would think you would be able to calm them down by saying the risk of that happening is so, so minuscule. But try telling that to this woman with the uh, unpronounceable name. God, not only hit by the fish, but then leaving fish blood and guts on, on, on your shoulder. Oh. Anyway, the woman who got hit decided that it must mean that she was heading into some really good luck. Is that the way we, 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 we do decide about uh, chance things like that, that it's an omen? God, we're such primitive souls, aren't we? Anyway, there you have it. Watch out. And actually, by talking about things falling from the sky, geez, that uh, uh, that plane that that whose engine like disintegrated and dropped all over that uh, Colorado town. Geez, that is amazing that nobody was killed. So I guess you know. Look up every once in a while. <laughs> no, you have no idea what might be uh, there. And this is absolutely doesn't fit into anything else I've said, but I just, I happened, my eye just lit on it. I had scribbled it down and now I'm seeing it. I just have to tell you this wonderful uh, little story, which I'm not going to tell well, because like I can't tell jokes and I can't tell story. I, I just can't. I mean, if it's a you know, I can tell my own story, but if it's a story that's like a joke, I can't tell them. But I thought the meaning of this was so important. You know, this sense of um, that so many people uh, have that this life, our lives, are... Um, are a veil of uh, tears and and sorrow, uh, and the the payoff of getting through it is if you're a good person, you'll end up in heaven, and then in heaven, ah, everything's going to be hunky dory. Now, I've never bothered getting into very specific um, ideas of what people who do believe in heaven, and believe me, uh, two of my best friends do. One of them was talking to me about it just yesterday. She said, you do, don't you believe in heaven? I said, no, I don't. She said, oh, I bet you do. I said, no, I don't. I don't. I can't. It seems absurd to me. And, and I said, my dad did not. Even on the, you know, as he neared death, when a lot of people who believe in heaven think those of us who don't, when we near death, then they'll believe. No. I know my mom, who's old, she doesn't believe in heaven. I don't believe in heaven. A lot of people don't believe in heaven. It doesn't keep us from uh, living a good life <laughs> and being good people. Um, 
I think it's just a more realistic way of looking at things. But who the hell knows? <laughs> How'd hell get into this? Oh, and it's funny because a lot of people who believe in heaven seem to forget about hell. That that because if there's one, there is the other. No, but I think um, that's just my sense. So anyway, this story is about a guy who lived a really he lived a pretty good life, and when he died, um. He went to heaven, and he's walking around, his eyes wide, and he's looking for, he's thinking, I'm in heaven? Wow. I got to check this out. There's got to be saints all over here, like extraordinarily righteous people. They got to be all up here, right? And he couldn't find anybody meeting that description. And he asked somebody, where are they? I'm in heaven. Where are all the, the righteous people that are in heaven? And the answer was, the righteous are not in heaven. Heaven is in the righteous. And I thought that is so, there it is. Stop thinking that there's some out there. No, it's here. It's all here. Recognize it. <laughs> Heaven is in the righteous. So it is all around us. in the here and now, not some fantasy of where we'll be after death. I don't know. All right, enough of that. Um, oh, I so don't want to get into this. Oh God, more on mulberries. Guys, all right. See, it's always that little, something little that you never think is going to take off. And I end up spending half the show talking about mulberries. Is this a picture of a mulberry? It is. And it does look like a blackberry, kind of. Thank you. Thank you. That's okay. Don't stop trying. It says I'm trying to, and I can't send you a picture, but I just, somebody else got it to me. Thank you. I see it. And I thank you. <laughs> oh, guys, I'm avoiding, I'm doing all of this, talking about anything and everything from mulberries to heaven and hell uh, to fish hitting you. Because uh, I, I have to admit that I spent a great deal of the weekend obsessing over the fact that January 6th was just the beginning of a nightmare. <laughs> we are so not uh, anywhere clear of this threat. And in fact, the reason I was sort of 
approaching being almost distraught is that I was, you know, reading the news and, uh, and seeing stuff that shows me that I hate to mention him, but yeah, that Donald Trump, first of all, is not going away. The only, I'll tell you what, the only way he's going away is um, if the law catches up to him. Um, and we got some good news on that front this morning. The, the Supreme Court, packed even as it is with Republican conservatives, has, without comment, dismissed Trump's attempt to keep his tax returns away from the the DA in New York. So that's good. That means the DA in New York's going to have his hands on him and is going to take him to a grand jury. Okay, this is good. But the news that Trump will be speaking at CPAC, that annual meeting of braying creeps, and dangerous folk um, is disheartening because this will be his coming out party. And this will be his laying claim to the Republican Party. And he will be greeted by cheers and uh, hysteria. Different kinds of hysteria. The hysteria in my house is going to be different from the hysteria on the floor of whatever this convention is going to be. Um, information coming out about uh, where Republicans' heads are at these days is just so dispiriting. as is the media's, and I mean mainstream media, still giving airtime to perpetrators of the big lie that brought us January 6th. They're still out there, and they're still getting on the Sunday shows. Shut up. Um, anyway, so they've been doing surveys of uh, of Trump voters. A lot of folks have, <laughs> and it is just appalling uh, because we're dealing with a pandemic of mental illness. Of like, we're dealing with a pandemic of almost a psychosis in a, more than a third of the American populace. And I keep reading things about, you know, how they are literally immune. It's uh, another word we hear a lot about. But in regard to this pandemic, they are immune to any attempt 
to vaccinate them against this big lie, lies coming at them over and over and over again. They're fully on board. So when you ask Trump's people, the people who love him, ask them, what happened there on January 6th? Almost two-thirds of them say it was an Antifa-inspired attack. Oh, my God. Just 28% said it uh, it was Trump supporters who got a little uh, out of control. 28%. So the big lie that Trump won is alive and well. There was Steve Scalise on one of the Sunday shows pushing it again, absolutely refusing to acknowledge. And that was what? So that's on ABC? Thank you, ABC. Why would you... No, we're just going to get, and as soon as Trump gets back in, is out there doing his rallies, which, and his coming out party is, I guess, Sunday, right? Um, Media will be chasing him, and his surrogates will be all over the place. And you've got, you know, Fox and the others. Um, I don't know how we deal with this. They're not going away and they're deranged. They're deranged. We can't move ahead as a country. What they're doing is akin to what, um, actually I think it was the the former chess grandmaster, Gary uh, Kasparov, who who said uh, this, that what we're seeing now is is exactly like uh, what we saw after the Civil War with the the losers in the Confederacy just making up their own narrative of what had happened, right? The lost cause. And that ridiculous lie of a narrative made it into our history books. We were taught the lie, many of us, in our history classes. It's just, and Kasparov would know this, having grown up in the Soviet Union, classic disinformation campaign designed to sow chaos, mistrust. And so we've we've got this huge problem here, huge. And people who write about this kind of thing saying, 
It doesn't matter that this stuff is insane. The QAnon crap that has literally, I mean, went from the first time you heard about it, it was so laughable, you couldn't believe it. And now it's not on the fringes anymore. It is right smack dab in the Republican Party. So these kinds of disinformation campaign campaigns, ask Vladimir Putin, he knows about this stuff. They can throw out a number of different crazed narratives. That's part of the, the way they sow the chaos. So there's this crazy narrative, there's that crazy narrative. It doesn't matter that everybody agrees on which crazy theory might be the truth because all of them out there poison the air. And all of them out there undermine our democracy. It's not about telling a story that makes any sense. It's about creating this huge amount of fear and cynicism and doubt. And that's what the Republicans are now doing. Trump is going to claim the party on Sunday. And I don't know, guys. I think anybody thinking, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead, you are wrong. You are very, very wrong. Totally not dead. Very much alive, I'm afraid. Oh, boy. Okay, so... Oh, Margaret's saying she got her first shot at the at the baseball stadium. Great. That's good. You know, and that's Allegheny Health Network, right? I got to tell you, Allegheny Health Network is cleaning UPMC's clock in regards to uh, vaccine distribution. That is also, I got my shot through um, AHN. It is my, I mean, I'm in their system in general because I so hate UPMC. And um, they've just been like a pretty smooth, smoothly operating communicative uh, machine um, where UPMC has been nothing but faltering and full of excuses. And I hope people remember that. I really do. And by the way, I'm getting my, my second shot on Wednesday, and um, I've been told I might not feel real good on Thursday, but that remains to be seen. So uh, I'm going to assume I'll be okay, but that's just a heads up, which I wouldn't have thought about if Margaret hadn't told me she got her shot. That's great. That's great. But, you know, speaking of these Republicans not giving this up, do you know uh, uh, Pennsylvania's state auditor general, 
We used to have a good one. His name was D. Pasquale. He did, did a good job, Democrat. And then for some reason, Pennsylvania's voters in their infinite stupidity uh, voted in this Republican for Auditor General in the last, you know, just the other day. Uh, he was running against, of course, a woman. Maybe that was the problem because women just don't win statewide. As a matter of fact, name me a woman who's won statewide. The only one I can think of is what's her name uh, who's in jail. <laughs> right? Kane? Right? What? Name me a woman who won a statewide office. Who am I forgetting? Anybody? No. So this Republican guy got in, Timothy DeFour. And do you know, he got in with this terrible election we apparently ran in uh, Pennsylvania. And he told a state house committee that he believes his election was truly a fair election. And then this guy whose job it is now to serve as an independent, impartial watchdog on behalf of us taxpayers. He said, my election was fair. As far as anybody else's, what? I wouldn't know. So our state auditor general is refusing to acknowledge the big lie. He's spreading it. He's keeping it going. He's giving it CPR. That's your auditor general, guys. Wow. And the only other good news I can think of is that um, the Supreme Court again did dismiss this uh, challenge to Pennsylvania's, uh, well, I think the challenge was to whether our state Supreme Court had the right to extend the deadline for mail-in uh, ballots. And uh, the Supreme Court of the United States said today, uh, look, we ain't taking this up. Forget about it, okay? All right? Forget about it. Now, three of the justices were saying, no, no, we want this case. And guess who they were? <laughs> Probably people who believe the big lie. They were Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch. My God. Okay. Do we have a call? I'm sorry. Do we have a caller? This is a problem when I'm using my, uh, my, my, no, never mind. You don't care about these problems. Do I have a caller? Hung up. I did have a caller. Um, I'm sorry, Amy. I'm, uh, and Margaret writes back to say this whole experience with the vaccine at PNC was so well organized. Yeah. Yeah. 
David writes, well, it's been more than three days and Limbaugh's still dead, so I, I guess he wasn't the Messiah after all. Bummer for them. It's a world gone mad. Tune in, turn on, and drop out. Yeah, well, yeah, we're in a we're in a crazy place, crazy place. Little Tony writes: After yesterday, I won't be watching the Sunday shows anymore. I'm done. Not going to listen to any more Republicans perpetuating the big lie. Well, you know, you gotta ask, what the hell? So if the Republican Party clearly becomes the party of Trump, in other words, the party that believes that the president in the White House, Joe Biden, is illegitimate, and the real president, the guy who really won, is at Mar-a-Lago, and the news networks treat these Republicans, the Trump party, we call them Republicans, as legitimate uh, legitimate parties to our governance, then we got a problem. We got a problem because they are not legitimate. They are spreading a big, huge, dangerous lie. Bob says, I believe that after Trump speaks at CPAC, he'll unleash a second civil war. Well, we're in a second civil war. You know, um, January 6th was, I guess, what? What was that, Fort Sumner? I don't know. We're in a we're in a war. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, we we're seeing that our infrastructure in this country is in horrible shape. God knows the people of Texas know it. Um, In every way, our electrical grids, our our railways, our um, almost all our transportation stuff from roads to to air to the airlines, everything is screwed up. Totally screwed up. Right. Forgot where I was going. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. I get so inflamed on something and then I forget where I started. <laughs> oh, infrastructure. Right. Um, but part of the infrastructure that isn't functioning well is our institutional infrastructure, including our media how people get information. And that is so screwed up now that um, I don't think it's going to necessarily serve us uh, well in, in holding our country together. I just don't, I don't think so. That's my my fear. Oh, and I got fear. Oy, I got such fear. Uh, 
No, seriously, the best news is uh, the Supreme Court let uh, the New York DA uh, have Trump's taxes because, I mean, the the law, I mean, I, and see, but he needs to be out front and center because he needs to keep his grift going. His business is taking it on the chin. He needs the grift. He needs to have people keep sending him money for his whatever, whatever he says it's going for. It's going to hold him up. So make no mistake, he is going to tell these Republicans at CPAC that the future of the party is him, that they're looking at it. And that he will be the party's nominee in 24. And someone close to him said his speech is going to be a show of force. And he is going to make clear that when you attack Trump, you're attacking the Republican grass roots. So, I mean, the reality is that uh, most Republican voters will follow him. Right? So he's he's pulled it off. And because the followers are, you know, I don't, have been brainwashed, are suffering from this mental uh, condition that allows them to perceive a reality that is not really there. And to discount what is provable and what is right in front of their faces. If you think we don't have a problem, yike. Yike. Okay. Hey, I, there's an obit I want to share with you, and uh, it's pretty rough. But man, this this woman deserves um, to have her story told. So uh, I'm warning you. I'm, I'm I'm warning you that parts of her story are almost unbearable. It's like something out of the Holocaust. And this is a woman, an American who who died um, Friday at the age of 62. But in that, I think, foreshortened life, good heavens, what happened to her? She was 
an American nun. Her name was Diana Ortiz. And she was teaching children, indigenous children in Guatemala, where her order had sent her as a missionary. And this was at a time when Guatemala was being, well, run is not quite the right word for it, was being overrun by right-wing, murderous forces. There was a 36-year civil war. You know, when we see these caravans of people coming, a lot of them are still coming out of this country, Guatemala, that has just been ripped apart for so long. And, yeah, I got news for you. With the help of the United States, with the help of the CIA, and we know this, because of what happened to Sister Diana Ortiz. She was kidnapped and she was gang raped and she was tortured in ways that are hard to even comprehend. Her back was pockmarked with more than 100 cigarette burns. She was suspended by her wrists over an open pit, packed with the bodies of men, women, and children, some of them decapitated, some of them still barely alive. She was forced to stab another woman to death. The reason she did not die is because 24 hours, that's all, that's all that they had her for, 24 hours, some guy, showed up, clearly in charge, clearly an American. And he ordered her to be released. And he took her in his car. And he said, I'm taking you to the American embassy. You'll be safe. And he said, you need to forgive the people who have done this to you. And she, I can't, one cannot even comprehend where, uh, let's say the shock she would be in. She figured this guy was gonna finish her off. She jumped out of his car. Somehow she got to safety. She became pregnant because of the assaults. 
she had an abortion. She went home to her family in New Mexico and to her religious order. And you know what? She didn't know who they were. She was so traumatized that she spent years of extensive therapy at a special hospital in Chicago for survivors of torture. She told her story when she was able to. And the United States government and the Guatemalan government said she was lying. They said she was spreading a lie, that it was a hoax. She was smeared. The Guatemalan president said her abduction had never even occurred. She wouldn't stop. She filed Freedom of Information Act requests. She pressed her case in the courts in both countries. In 1995, a federal judge finally in Boston ordered Guatemala to pay her a whole ton of money for what they had allowed to happen to her. She never got a penny. In 1996, she began a five-week hunger strike across from the White House, seeking the declassification of all these American documents related to the human rights abuses that the CIA was involved in in Guatemala since 1954. Bill Clinton was in the White House. His wife, Hillary, met with Sister Ortiz during her hunger strike and said she would help to get the release of these governmental papers. And she did, and the files were finally given to her. They were so heavily edited and redacted so that the identity of the American who had rescued her or uh, by what authority he was there, all of that was missing. But her case began a sweeping review of what America had done foreign policy wise and covert action wise in Guatemala. During the Reagan administration, during the Bush administration, during the Clinton administration. In 1999, Bill Clinton apologized. Republicans, as you know, do not apologize. And this woman who suffered so died at the age of 62. 
She was in hospice care. Cancer. Wow. Uh, let me get your emails in here, guys. Yeah, Barbara's saying how, you know, the regular media, which covered every uh, press briefing when Trump was in office. You remember those wonderful press briefings from Sean Spicer to, uh, I forget the horror before, oh, to uh, Huckabee Sanders, and then uh, this awful woman who, uh, McElhaney or whatever her name is, they covered everyone, even though all that was going on was spouting of lies and disinformation and attempts to bully the media, right? Everyone. Well, now Biden is in the White House. And guess who ain't covering the press briefings? And you know why? Because they're substantive, because they're, there ain't no news there. I mean, nothing outrageous is going to happen. And this is why we are in big trouble, because even the so-called serious news outlets cannot stay away from the sideshow that the Republicans invariably put on. Uh, Hang on here. I'm trying to get some of your stuff in here. God, I hate this. I hate this. Oh, I have to log up. Okay, fine. I'm sorry, old lady muttering in front of computer. That's all. Move on. Nothing to see here. Old lady muttering, trying to log off so she can log back on. I hate this site. Okay. Um, well, guys, it won't let me get to your emails. It's frozen. Oh, Lord. All right. Well, since I can't, damn it, do what I wanted to do, I'm going to continue to mutter like a little old lady. Hang on. See if I can start all over. Uh, forgive me. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So... I'll treat you to another obit. I wasn't going to, but I'm going to because everything is crashed and burned around me. This one's a lot more upbeat than the last one, I can I can tell you. Uh, this is about the guy who sculpted that huge, you know, strong-looking bull, that, uh, that bronze bull, I think it's bronze, that... Um, is on Wall Street, sort of the very image of Wall Street. Well, I didn't know this about 
this guy, first of all, he's an Italian uh, immigrant who was so loved this country for giving him a shot that that bull is a gift, but it's a three and a half ton gift that he dropped in the dead of night with the help of about 40 friends um, in front of the New York Stock Exchange. And it, this was in uh, 1987, and it was around Christmas time, and there was this big Christmas tree there. And so he thought, well, it'll be my gift, and he put it under the Christmas tree. <coughs> and when all those fine folks at the New York Stock Exchange came to work the next day and saw this huge bull, they were enraged. They called the police and the sculpture at great expense was trucked over to a police warehouse in Queens. Mr. Demodica, Arturo Demodica was stunned and he, he went to the police and uh, I'm sure the media too, and he ended up having paying a fine, 500 bucks, and then the bull was moved to where it sits now, which is not right in front of the stock exchange. He spent $325,000 of his own money in two years uh, making the charging bull, which he said evoked the strength of the United States. He's dead, too. I have a caller, I think. Hello? 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 Yes, hello. Hi. Hi. Um, hey, you, I'm going to touch on what you talked about earlier, about Trump and being the nominee and all that. I personally don't think that he's going to be physically able to run four years from now. The man, if you look at him, is not in that good of health right now. That's one thing I don't think. I don't think he'll have a physical capability. Second, I think he's going to have so much legal trouble that he's going to be tarnished, and I think he's going to be knocked out. I don't believe he'll be the nominee. I don't think he'll run. For one thing, he's afraid to lose again. So I just don't believe that. I, I cannot believe that he'll run again. That's just well, <clears throat> I mean, I understand and I agree that he's not in, you know, four years from now, one can only imagine the shape he'll be in. But um, I don't see Biden running in four years either. No. These are two old, old guys. Um, he's, he's not in the shape Biden's in. You know, Biden's in a lot right. better shape. He is. It appears to be. I mean, appears to be. Yeah. But so I'm. I don't know, but here's the thing. He has a stranglehold on the Republican Party at this point. And there, even the January 6th, even blood in the Capitol did not dissuade more than a handful of Republican elected officials to 
you know, turn their backs on him. Right. It is a it is a cult of personality. Now that might be good because a cult of personality doesn't necessarily transfer to another person, right? So if he were to be disabled in some way, unable, it's unclear who then would would rise uh, and would have the same uh, the same whatever it is, uh, ability to make uh, so many Americans literally psychotic. I, I don't know. And, and maybe that's grounds for some uh, hopefulness. But, but the reality is we're stuck with these people. They're here. Right. They're going nowhere. And they're, they're, they're self, they're <clears throat> radicalizing and self, Families are being ripped apart by this. It is really something. It is, I mean, I, in my life, have never experienced anything like this. This is amazing to see, but it can't end well. No. No. Oh, okay. No. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, it's just gone kaput. Um, and anyway, we're out of time. So, uh, I'll be back tomorrow. I got to call the water, uh, company. I opened my bill yesterday, the day before. $410! And something's wrong. It's got to be a leak somewhere or something. Gee, so I'm going to navigate the horrors of customer service at a utility. I just want you to have some, I don't know, empathy for me. Thank you. All right, guys. Susan will be on tomorrow. We'll try to be a little more upbeat, but I can't promise a damn thing. Okay? Be well. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.